0: Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series, supporting the preventive health needs of duly eligible women with disability. This podcast was recorded as part of a live event held on May 12, 2021. In this podcast, Amy Shannon shares her experiences as a consumer at UPMC, McGee Women's Hospital Center for Women with Disabilities.
1: My name is Amy Shannon. I'm 44 years old. I live in southwestern Pennsylvania. And in 1989, I had a diving accident that resulted in a spinal cord injury and quadriplegia. As Dr. Harris said, spinal cord injuries can be very complicated because the body does not function normally. For example, I don't have any sensation from my armpits down, but that does not mean that the nerves are dead. It just means that there's a blockage from the nerves from my feet being able to send a message to my brain to let me know that there's some kind of discomfort or pain. So I've had a problem because I've had surgery and the surgeons have said, you don't need general anesthesia because you don't have any feeling. So let's just put you in sedation. And the first time this happened, I went with the doctor. I was young, and I thought the doctor knew best, and so I was sedated for a hemorrhoidectomy. And then partway through the surgery, my body went into autonomic dysreflexia. I was spasming severely. My blood pressure went up, and the doctor seemed like he panicked a little bit because they brought me out of the sedation and told me what was happening and asked if they could keep me overnight for a procedure that was supposed to be outpatient which I agreed because I was, like, half sedated and didn't really know what was going on. But afterwards, I realized that it was autonomic dysreflexia. And so ever since then, I usually try to talk to an anesthesiologist and make sure that they understand that I don't have any feelings. but I still need general anesthesia because we don't want to have autonomic dysreflexia or some reaction like that during surgery. Another thing that happened to me was that I was supposed to go to see my physiatrist, and they must have called to change the appointment because they wanted me to get a pelvic exam, and the gynecologist wasn't available at the time that my appointment was scheduled. But I never got the message about the time change. So when I showed up, they weren't expecting me, and they said, oh, you were supposed to come this other day get a pelvic exam. And I was like, what? about that, and it was very traumatic because I felt like I didn't have a choice over having something done to my body. They had said that they preferred to do this because I think it was probably in the early 90s, and there wasn't a lot of options for women with spinal drinks to find accessible gynecologists, so they just figured that they would schedule and take care of that for me, but instead of them taking care of it for me, I waited until this year at 44 years of age to finally go to the Center for Women with Disabilities and have any kind of gynecological screening. And another big issue I find is that I would prefer to have my own attendant or whoever is with me in the room to assist me with maybe getting dressed or undressed maybe even assist with the transfer because they're familiar with me, they know how my body works, and it's more comfortable, especially if I'm somewhere that I've never met the people and I don't know what kind of training they have. A lot of staff doesn't have the proper training, especially with transfers. So most of my experience going to the doctor, they never actually transfer me out of my wheelchair into the bed to do kind of any kind of exam. But a lot of times when they do, they want to just go under my arms and under my knees lift, which doesn't support the heaviest part of my body, so my butt is hanging down, and that's very unsafe because it could cause my shoulder to, to be dislocated. Transportation issues are something that are always a barrier to going anywhere for someone with a disability, and I've been very lucky to be able to have a personal wheelchair accessible van so that I can get to wherever I need to go, and then the problem when I get there is sometimes is there's not enough parking because there's always a shortage of handicap parking. It's not always safe to park somewhere and then walk through the parking lot because if someone's wheelchair is very low, they might not be seen by a driver in the rearview mirror and they could be hit. I don't have that problem because I use a power chair, but manual chairs, that could be a bigger problem. And then shared ride services. It's called access here, but a lot of people with wheelchairs need to take shared ride services to get places. And the shared ride services, their main focus is to get as many people rides as often as possible and have as many people get to their destination in one day as possible. So they pick you up and then they go pick up other people and they might drop some other people off before. So they're not really looking at time and how much time that it takes. Or uh, a lot of times when I've used it, I would be somewhere like an hour early and you're just sitting around waiting with nothing to do. That's very frustrating because even if a provider will take you earlier, then you're probably going to be waiting for like an hour afterwards until the van comes back and is scheduled to pick you up. Accessibility is difficult. Like I said, when I've gone to doctor's appointments before, they don't transfer me out of my wheelchair. but. A lot of times when I'm in the exam room, it's not even big enough for me to figure out where I can go in and turn around. And a lot of times chairs need to be moved, or I'm kind of like stuck halfway between the door and the exam table. I just never feel like rooms are big enough, and it makes it difficult to transfer if I can't get close enough to the exam table. Also, when you're looking at locations, parking spaces need to be flat. It's a lot easier to get in and out of the building and not, like, on a big slope or a steep hills. So my experience at McGee was very different because it is a big hospital with a lot of parking, although the parking was all full. So my mom and I did go and park somewhere else, and then I had to walk through the parking lot to get to the building. And then when my mom and I were leaving, she just figured she would go get the van and come pick me up because that would be easier. There were doors that were easily opened so that I could get in and out of the building. The elevator was accessible. And mostly going to the Center for Women with Disabilities was the staff seemed so welcoming. The room was bigger. I saw a hoarder in the room right away. The bed raised and lowered. And I just knew that I was in the right place to get the right kind of care. But not all people with disabilities are good at advocating for themselves or even know how to advocate for themselves because a lot of times we're not even talked to as people. I went to a doctor recently, and my mom was with me, and I got a CRMT, and she actually spoke to my mom about me in a third person for the majority of the appointment instead of talking to me. And I was the one who called and made the appointment. You know, I just needed my mom to drive me there open the door and then I wasn't sure if they were going to need to take an EKG so I wanted her to be there just in case. But you know that was really difficult and I didn't know what to say and I asked a friend later like how do I advocate for myself in the future because it was so uncomfortable and I should have said something from the very beginning but I hadn't gone to this CRMP before and I was used to the other CRMPs that I've been to you know talking directly to me. And this was kind of a surprise and caught me off guard. So I would say listening and asking questions and talking to the person who has the appointment directly is very important.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. You can also find resources for integrated care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.